Hello and welcome to the Kick It With Kira podcast, where the expected and the unexpected meet to transform healthcare for women, femmes, and non-binary folks. You're listening to our second episode with a very special guest, Crystal Adesanya, she, her pronouns, CEO of Kira Health, is joining us today to narrate her journey in her words, and you'll hear about her dreams for the Kira ecosystem that you are a part of. Crystal launched Kira out of personal need and experience. When she was in college, she found herself at the crux of the health education and access gaps many of our students face today. During her undergraduate years at the University of Houston, Crystal started to feel severe stomach pain and couldn't get help from the on-campus clinic. She tried self-medicating before, both because clinic hours can be out of the way and because she came from a conservative background at home where talking openly about women's health issues just wasn't the norm. But this time, self-medicating didn't work. She was hospitalized for a condition completely different from what she expected. In this episode, you'll learn more about our CEO, who's making really important strides to enrich the Kira ecosystem by making sure her story is not a common one. While her experience encompasses health challenges and learning lessons, she rose to meet what her life had to teach her head on by creating Kira. Find out more about our telemedicine platform and how it's solving the problem, where the gaps are in our current systems of care and where Kira is headed. This episode is called The Life of a Startup Dreamer. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me today, Reem. Thank you for joining us. To start us off, let's just keep it simple. Who are you today and what are your superpowers? Who am I today? Uh, that's an interesting question. So today, I am CEO and co-founder of Kira Health. Um, I am an immigrant. Uh, I moved to U.S. from my home country, Nigeria, for college, and I've lived here ever since. Um, I am a wife um, and a sister um, to six older siblings. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> I want to capture that little bit of international student experience in your story. What was that like? So yeah, so I, I came to the U.S. Uh, and the first place I went to was Houston uh, for lots of different reasons. You know, as you might know, Texas, um, specifically Houston, uh, it's super diverse in nature with a lot of immigrants uh, and a lot of um, people from different countries. Uh, we had, I would say we had a lot of Nigerian students and because I'm from Nigeria, I kind of felt right at home when I came here. And, you know, but what I quickly realized was, you know, we as international students had a lot of restrictions it wasn't the same. You're experiencing things very differently, right? I remember one time someone told me about 
um, that they were working and they had something called work study. I said, what is work study, <laughs> right? Um, I was just like, is that what I'm doing? Cause I didn't understand it. Cause I'm like, am I looking for a job? And is that considered work study? And someone explained to me that that was um, some type of financial aid, you know, that you work and get paid by the government and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so I tried to get a job and I whatever most jobs that I saw were work study eligible, but weren't, you know, international students weren't eligible for those jobs because, you know, financial aid. Um, so it, it was very hard to get a job and, you know, do a lot of things because you are also restricted to work on campus as well. So one, you're competing with fellow international students for the same jobs, but you're also competing with everyone else who does have the opportunity to get jobs elsewhere. Um, and But a lot of times they can't get a job somewhere. So they have to still come back to school and look for a job, right? So it's a lot of competition in that respect. And that makes you do everything to become the best of the best. <laughs> it's kind of like, pick me, pick me, I'm the best, right? Yeah. But also it, it allows you to be more creative in how you're able to like, make ends meet so to speak so i'll give an example so in college i did a lot of hair um i was making hair and you know getting paid to do so and i eventually one day got a job on campus <laughs> and um it was an awesome job and i loved it very much because a part of me was so proud that i was able to get that um, and, you know, but, but another thing is because, like I said, I was creative in ways that I was, you know, making money while going to school. Um, I ended up fueling my entrepreneurial path a little bit more. Um, and that kind of led me to develop the courage to like start my first company back then in school, uh, making men's accessories, uh, ties, bow ties, lapel pins and things like that through my company, Vanilla Cristal. And then from there, you know, having it being a successful e-commerce company for a college student, I decided, well, okay, now I have two things. I have the experience of running a company of this uh, of this size and magnitude and making revenue here. Um, and now I have this lived experience and I can combine those two experiences and build what it is that I have today. So um, it was definitely, you know, very, a very interesting journey for me. Um, and I'm very happy that my path led to coming here to being where I'm at today. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Well, that really is a creative journey. I'm hearing that the hardships of finding a job had you saying, well, I can depend on myself. College can really bring forward those parts of us and it can bring forward the need for change. It becomes important for people, especially within marginalized groups to say, I need to see this change. Do you feel like you always had those receptors for what you wanted to see in your community and, and environment? What made you feel capable of creating this platform? What was really encouraging for me, like I said, was seeing other women of color um, building products like this, you know, building large businesses, um, being influenced by mentors who helped guide me. Um, to be able to create something like this. I know in the beginning, I spent a lot of time talking to physicians because for me, I was like, I need to understand how doctors are thinking about 
the solutions to this problem, right? Um, and that's what led me to teaming up with Dr. Candace Frazier, who's our chief medical officer and my co-founder, because I needed her perspective to be able to build something like this, right? So in my mind, I was like, how do we solve this problem? What are you seeing in the hospital today? And how can we make your process of solving this problem easier and better? And when we started to brainstorm on it a little bit further, we decided, well, here are the baby steps we can take to get there. And that's how we decided to build this massive thing, right? It had to do with, you know, coming into an environment where I saw other people building and making, you know, change and having solutions for problems like this, but also speaking to experts within the space and understanding what are the gaps in their process today and how can we solve for that? And by virtue of solving for those gaps, be able to, you know, impact change for millions of people. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know, what came up in those opening conversations with physicians? And what was most striking to you? Um, the most striking gap, you know, when I spoke to clinicians was about the lack of time. Um, I think time to spend with patients is a problem across the board for everyone. I feel like a lot of clinicians I talked to were like, well, I don't have the time um, to build a relationship. I don't have the time to sit and talk and learn about their family and their, you know, their dog and their kids and everything else. And also answer all the questions and send them out before my next appointment. Right. It's, it's, it's the nature of healthcare being treated with this revolving door where people come in and go and either, there's not a lot of opportunities to do that. Uh, but then when I spoke to Dr. Fraser, one of the things that struck me in those initial conversations was she was saying, well, I'm friends with my patients. I talk to them about everything. I want to create an environment where I can. And she actually uh, started a private practice because of that, because she felt like she wanted to create a space where she could actually talk to people um, and get to know them and get to know deep things about them for them to open up enough um, so she could solve their problem or help solve the problem. I think one of the big gaps that exist and the reasons why, you know, there's a lot of disparities and biases and all these things in healthcare is because a lot of physicians are not able to take the time to get to know their patients because they quite frankly a lot of the times can't because of the way their hospital is set up or anything like that you know the system itself is broken right so we decided from all those conversations to Yes, one, create a space where you could have access, right? From your phone, from anywhere, anything like that. But also you could have those reoccurring conversations and build a relationship and, you know, have some continuity in the care that you're receiving. And that's why we built this. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I saw just around doctors don't have the time to sit and get to know their patients and listen and hear what they have to say a lot of times because of the constraints of the nature of their jobs. Um, and how do we make a change there? How do we make sure we're building things that allow for those relationships, allow for those conversations and allow for trust to be built um, between clinicians, especially you know, in situations where folks are not comfortable talking to um, people that don't sound and look like them and they feel 
the disconnect with. So our whole thing became, how do we create that platform and make sure we had a multicultural, you know, clinician base that was representative of people. And on top of that, build an infrastructure that allowed for that relationship building as well. And also that continuity of very good, you know, quality care um, and continuing to make people happy and healthy. Thank you for shedding a light on some of the struggles clinicians face, namely that time piece. It's really hard to form a relationship without time because it allows you to build trust and keep coming back to someone to feel supported through that relationship. Something else that I think about is the nature of being a physician in a city, especially in cities where a lot of people are moving and in motion. Sometimes travel can uproot your network and you lose access to a community you used to have. I know on the Kira app, we have a feature called Care Squad, and that always stood out to me because I feel like my first thought when I move anywhere is, who's my network and how am I gonna make sure I'm well? What's cool about the app is it's going wherever you are and so is your Care Squad. This wasn't a feature on Clit Health, our previous product before we rebranded to Kira Health. What went into the Care Squad feature and why did it come to be? Yes, um, a lot of new things came about with the Kira app. I think one of the bigger changes with the Kira product itself was it went from, you know, the Clit app, which was more a health educational platform, to Kira, which is a telemedicine platform essentially providing you know prescriptions and medical advice and you know the video visits and everything else so because you know that had changed we decided you know we know that a lot of people are seeing doctors right the goal was to see doctors on the app but we also know that traditionally when you go to like a telemedicine platform you would see many many different clinicians to pick from one it can be very confusing and daunting to make that choice, right? Um, and two, what is the guarantee that when you come back next time, you get to talk to that same person? Like I said, it's all about building trust, all about building relationships. So we created the Care Squad because we felt like a person could go and select their key doctors, like a squad. We made sure it was like something fun. It's all about, like I said, back to making sure your relationship with your doctor is not, you know, one that's scary because uh, a lot of times we hear this a lot that I'm scared to challenge my doctor because they know way more than me in this process, right? Or I'm scared to talk to them because they're just this powerful person who saves lives. <laughs> I can't challenge them and I can't ask for second opinions because I feel like what they say goes, right? So the whole thing was how do we make sure people that when they do feel comfortable in building a relationship with a physician, they can come back. So say, for example, you know, bringing in the social media type of relationship where you can just DM your friend, the whole goal was how do you say, okay, I have Dr. Frazier, for example, as my OBGYN, I have Dr. Brown as my um, mental health expert or psychiatrist, um, I have Dr. Um, Mary or something, you know, as my primary care provider. And whenever I want to talk to them, I can go back to the care squad that I curated myself and reach out to them again and have them speak to me again, book another visit with me and continue that relationship. I think the beauty is just like creating it yourself and 
putting you know that power into the hands of the user and saying hey here's a list of different people we're going to suggest these people for you but then you get to choose and then you get to curate your care team and your care squad so to speak that you can always go back to and continue building a relationship with and i think that piece itself was very powerful for us and what we've seen is you know the utilization for that and that relationship building and trust aspect has been amazing. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the whole idea of putting the power back in the community. Even when you're seeking evidence-based information and looking for experts, this is still about you. And this tool is for you. On that note, let's talk about our community. What are your dreams for the people in our ecosystem? Huh, so... I think it's a number of things. Um, Like I said, it's all about creating ripple effects, right? Starting young, um, continuing to build relationships, um, continuing to build habits um, that young people can use to continue to go through the rest of their lives. Um, And then making sure healthcare is more um, proactive versus reactive in nature, making sure people are not just coming to us because they're sick, right? Making sure they're participating in our events and community gatherings and, you know, making sure that, you know, they are utilizing our resources through our blog, through our podcast, for example, um, through different things where they're like, okay, this is an ecosystem that I want to be a part of because these are, you know, a group of clinicians who, one, are able to provide, you know, my medical needs and prescriptions and everything else for the app, but two, are dedicated to teaching me and supporting me through the other aspects of my life's um, journey by being able to support different things as well. So we have our clinicians who write blog posts. We have clinicians who do the Ask an Expert on Instagram. We have, you know, we have made this ecosystem inclusive of both the clinicians themselves so they can find a place to share their voices. Um, but also making sure our users are able to join and meet other people who might be going through similar things as them and build a community that way, but also know that they no longer have to rely on Dr. Google or the internet. They can come to us for pretty much anything um, and get the support they need from one of our experts. And I think that in itself is empowering because it allows for that person to really feel like they can rely on us for every aspect of their healthcare journey. And that's something I'm really excited uh, to continue to build and grow. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of care and effort being put into crafting this platform and bringing all the issues to light and solving them in really unique, beautiful, and supportive ways, as we've talked about. Crystal, thank you so much for your time today. We enjoyed listening to you talk about Kira, your personal journey through college, and even how you met our chief medical officer, Dr. Candace Fraser. I want to end on something more personal. Let's leave our listeners with one last detail about you. What advice would you give to your 10-year-old self? Advice. Um, At 10, I was starting um, boarding school. So I think the advice would have been, don't take life too seriously. You're still a kid. Because <laughs> um, I feel like at that age, I was like, yeah, I'm grown up now and doing all these things and away from home. And I, now I have to act like an adult. But I would say to my 10-year-old self, like, 
be gentle with yourself and you're gonna grow old. Don't try to rush that journey. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're interested in learning more about Kira Health, we actually have a five-day free trial available just for you. So make sure you go check out our website to learn more at www.kira.io. Link will also be in the description of today's episode. And yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye.